Welcome to the Ball Club. All right, welcome to the Ball Club. I'm your host, Joey, here with a very special guest today, our first Ball Club guest, uh, Al Kaplan. Just a little bit about Al. Al is the first guest of the Ball Club. Uh, he spent 10 years as a minor league umpire and eventually became a major league umpire, umpiring games in the American League. Al worked as the director of umpire development for the MLB International until 1995. For now, Al has become an actor after his umpire career, starring in several commercials, as well as the tournament referee, in uh, the hit movie Dodgeball, one of my favorite movies, as well as the referee on American Gladiators. Al, thanks for joining us. How are you? Wow, the first guest I'm honored. <laughs> first one. I feel the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. So, Al, um, how did you get into umpiring? And um, maybe you can just tell us what the training's like. Um, you know, the sort of actually how I got in. I was 13 years old and I was playing Pony League baseball. And they had like three games on the field every day or during the weekend. So I had the first game. And when the first game was over, I how I tell the story is I was at the snack shack with a you know, snow cone in my face. When somebody walked up to me and said, hey, the base umpire didn't show up for the second game. Do you want to be an umpire? And that's the first time I had really even thought about an umpire being on the field. Uh, so I went out there and the first play I completely screwed up. The guy was out by three steps and I called him safe and everybody's yelling at me. And I just got intrigued like, well, I can't stay here because if he steals, I got to be at second date. And it just fascinated me so much. I was like possessed by it from that point. Then a friend of mine became the umpire chief at a Little League uh, the next year when I was 14. And uh, I started umpiring in those games. And uh, then it just blossomed when I got my driver's license. I found a association that assigned games and I was doing little league and pony league and all sorts of games uh, that progressed to uh, getting a scholarship to go to the professional umpire school when I was 18. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, professional umpire school is a five week course. It's really intense. Uh, you wake up every morning, you have uh, rule sessions for two hours or three hours. Then you go out on the field and you do drills and it's really like a, a boot camp. You know, and you get screamed at and yelled at. And no it's way. It's raining and cold and windy and there's no excuses. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. You have to have a passion to do it. And I kind of found my calling that day when uh, that umpire didn't show up and they asked me to do it. Wow. So that, I didn't know it was like a boot camp. That's uh, that's pretty cool. So did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the intense course is, you know, enjoy is, <laughs> is a hard word to, you know, it's like, do you enjoy really working out hard? You know, right. You yourself. It's like it, it hurt when you were doing it, but yeah, it was it was enjoyable and you felt great when it was over. For sure. Um, one question I wanted to ask you. So I, I know me and you have talked a little bit offline and you still watch quite a bit of baseball. How do you feel about the MLB pushing for an automated strike zone in the year 2024? Do you think it will benefit the game or maybe worsen it? How do you feel about that? Well, there's no doubt it's going to make it worse. Uh, really? You know, everything they've done in replay up to this point uh, has made it worse. Uh, you know, the whole point of replay is just so the elephants didn't get called. In other words, you know, the ones that were obvious and it meant a championship. And now baseball has become, if you slide into second base and your body comes a quarter inch off the bag and the tag is still applied and they freeze it, you're out. And uh, you can't call balls and strikes by just ticking a, 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 a area uh, because in the rule book, how you judge a strike is how it goes through the zone. 
It doesn't have to just hit the corner or hit the side or, you know, hit the knees. It has to go through the zone. And to judge that, only a human can do it. And the human error is in everything in baseball. Right. In fact, failure is thought in baseball. Uh, so to try to get perfection out of that, you know, plus who's going to call the hit better? Who's going to call the, uh, um, you know, did it hit his hands? Who's going to call the catcher's interference? There's so much else that happens around there. I don't see it working, but uh, hey, let's give it a try. And it's been in the minor leagues for a while. Right. So I saw them doing that. Yeah, they've been testing it, but they've also had ejections over balls and strike calls, you know, because an umpire stands there and calls it, and then they argue with him, and he points up at the stand, you know, to the press box where it came from, and they still get ejected. So, you right. know, again, the human aspect of it is not going away no matter what they do. Right. Yeah, no, there's definitely obviously still a need for the home plate umpire, but um, I, I am curious to see how the technology works. I saw it's, like, challengeable now, and they can literally challenge a ball and a strike just by tapping their head, so – Guess we'll wow. see how it works. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm need another helmet just to yeah. tap their head. <laughs> so, speaking of um, throwing out managers, uh, throwing out a manager is pretty common during the game. Did a manager ever hard, have hard feelings towards you um, after an ejection? Like, for an example, maybe you did a three game set and you threw them out in the first game, and then the next two games, was it like maybe awkward or anything? Or do you have any kind of story like that? Well, you know, actually, it works kind of just the opposite. Um, I was just talking with a friend of mine that I used to umpire about this, that uh, it's seeing that when you went through that, whether it be just the manager or the whole team and you have to throw up, you know, a couple people or they're on you all night and it's really a bad situation. Usually the next day you come out expecting to, to be at each other's throats and you got it out that night and it's over and we can move on. But you know, there's still, there's the grudge factor no matter what you do. Again, we're human. So um, it might not be in that series, but later on, and then you have to eject them again. And, it, you know, it could be a personality conflict. Uh, you know, there's so much, again, to it that uh, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, and just give one aspect of that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, what was the most challenging position for you to umpire and why? Was it maybe first base, second base, third, third base, or home plate? You know, actually all of them because they have a unique thing. Now, if it's a big game or just every fourth night, you're working the plane. So that's where it takes the most concentration. And that's, you know, could be considered the hardest. But if you have third base, it's so hard to keep your concentration because you don't have something happening every pitch, every inning, you know. But in the ninth inning, you could have the game laid out your your at third base, it could be the game call. And if you haven't been on top of your game, concentrating and ready for that, that could be the most difficult, you know, right. to work third base, just like it is uh, for a pinch hitter or something to sit there in the cold on the bench all night and then all of a sudden be called up and uh, expect to, you know, get a hit or a home run or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense, you know, because, you know, maybe nothing's really happening at third base, especially if you have like a pitcher duel or something like that. And, that's exactly. it. You got to kind of wake up. Into it. Uh, right. You know, even at first base, I used to get so mad when I missed a balk uh, because to call a balk takes such concentration. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you. Same thing, but you learn like the check swing to me is the most difficult call. If you're at first or third base as an umpire, that scared me to death because right. you have to be completely concentrating on it. And we, did you see a flash from the lights off of a black bat? Or did you see that bat actually, you know, cross the plate? There's so much to it, but those used to scare me to death. 
was the uh, uh, plus. I'm standing right next to the dugout, and no matter what you call, you know, 25 guys are going to jump <laughs> up. Part and the hitter looks at you with this look, and it's just it, it's it's daunting. It really is. Right. Um, what was the most important game you've umpired? Obviously, you've umpired a ton of games. Was there any game in particular that you can remember, like maybe a postseason game or even just a big series or anything like that? Yeah, you know, I had them at every level. You know, and I was thinking about that, thinking like, uh, you know, and, and also important to who at the time, you know, I mean, the most important game to me was uh, the first major league game I worked or, you know, or the first time I worked the Yankees, that was a big deal to me. Um, you know, so it's the type of thing that, Every level you have important games, and uh, uh, you just—I I never worked it in the American League, so I can say that I worked the championship series and an All-Star game in every league or every level that I was in, except the American League. Oh wow! Okay. And I got and then, a ring for all of them, so oh, I there guess you that go. Makes it important enough to, <laughs> <laughs> to get a ring for it. I actually had two more questions for you before I uh, get into something else. So, how do you feel about the new pitch clock rule, which is also being implemented in the minors? Um, do you like it? And do you think that will benefit the game? It's not. And it's going to be horrendous. And okay. I'll make that prediction right now because I actually had that. Uh, I worked in the Northern League in 1990-something, oh, and I was making a video. So I was filming uh, all the games with a wireless microphone. And they had a um, pitch clock. And it was up on the scoreboard, and it was a 45-second clock, and you would see it click down. That thing caused more arguments than, you know, you got the pitch clock, so you wouldn't have any arguments. You could see that. But when the horn used to go off, when the pitch clock was, you know, at the 45 seconds, and the, the guy was just releasing the ball, and he had just released the ball, and then it bugged the hitter because now he's thinking about the horn and the clock instead of just, you know, hitting the ball. So they have no idea. And I don't know how it worked in the minor leagues that it made it to the major leagues, but if it's anything close, uh, and from what I understand, there is no enforcement. So if you didn't get it within the time, it's not like they're going to call a ball or something. They're just going to give you a warning or something. So I, yeah, I'm not really too sure. We're going to have to see yeah. how it works, but it didn't work in the Northern League what I had experience with it for three months. So I think the purpose is to speed up the game. Do you think it, it will at least do that? Well, that's the problem is to speed up the game. Every time you have an argument over something, that delays the game for nothing except an argument. Right. And, you know, it's supposed to alleviate arguments and speed up the game. And unfortunately, it doesn't because everything become, uh, becomes a call. Pitchers know how to work it to, the get, to just at that time. And, you know, again, they're messing with the batter's head. It's, it's just, it didn't work in the, in the Northern League when I had experience with it. And I can't see how it could be fixed because they asked me at that time. And I don't see how it could be fixed to work in any capacity if they're going to show it on the scoreboard and then try to enforce something, you know, when it goes off or, or when it reaches the, the deadline. Gotcha. One more umpire question for you. Um, how did they decide, I, I guess, like the travel aspect? Like, are they like, hey, you know what? You're going to be on the East Coast this this season or you're going to be all over. Do they have like some kind of. Yeah, know for that? Well, they try to. But, you know, the whole thing is, is you can't be with a team for very long. So three games, five games with a team in, in a week period. And you can't see them for a while. It's just, right. So but because of the schedule and because of their travel, Sometimes you end up seeing a team 
for 10 days in a row. But what they try to do with the umpires, like, okay, let's say the American League when I was in it, now it's just major leagues. But so you'll do a, a stint in the West. And now that you can work both American League and National League, you'll have guys that work in Anaheim and then they'll go to Dodger Stadium and then they'll work in San Francisco and then they'll work in Oakland. And then at that time, they'll say, okay, they'll fly to the East Coast and whoever's been on the East Coast will now come out of the West Coast. And those same crews that were doing the West Coast are now doing Florida, New York, Boston. So they try to keep it regional, but you're you're crisscrossing. In fact, one of the jokes that we used to have is, how many games are we flying over today to get to ours? Right. <laughs> and it's taken five hours to fly to Boston from Seattle. You know, why couldn't we go to Texas or why couldn't we go to right. Anaheim or you know? So, uh, but uh, but it's 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 a bear. Uh, the travel is no matter. No matter what you do in this game, uh, that's that's a big part of uh, just trying to be on the field every night and dealing with that kind of travel. Now, do you stay with the same same crew the whole time? You do. Uh, sometimes it'll get mixed around, and now they have vacations, and somebody gets hurt. Uh, but uh, for the most part, you have a crew chief and a crew, and that crew stays together for the season. Gotcha. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, I did want to ask you about Dodgeball, since you were in Dodgeball. It's actually one of my favorite movies. Um, well, of course. Yeah. I think it's it's, it's hilarious. Now, it, it's it is. Amazing. It is. And I, I, you know, I heard through the whispers that they may be making a sequel. Have you heard anything about that? You know, I saw a story that Vince Vaughn was kind of pushing the Dodgeball too, And, you know, Ben Stiller put uh, a kibosh on that, you know, saying that uh, there's no way we can make it any better than the first one. And, you know, if you look at it, that's almost 20 years ago. So those right. guys in their 40s or their 60s, <laughs> you know, like me, too. Uh, you know, we all prayed for it. And um, the uh, guy who wrote it and directed it, Rossin uh, Thurber, uh, he basically, because at the time, they dumped a, a truckload of money and said, let's do dodgeball, too. The same thing just a couple years afterwards. And he said, everything that I had to say about dodgeball, I said in that one. <laughs> And uh, he says, they're not going to go any further. They did make a, uh, they had a charity event. And they did, you might look for it online where they did like a reunion. Okay. Uh, Global Gym and Average Joe's um, for some charity event. Uh, and it was just like an eight minute short or something like that. But oh boy, would I love to go back and, you know, be the tournament referee again. <laughs> but I don't think so. I, I think they're going to leave it as is. But I love the fact that, um, that they're talking about something like that, plus the 20-year anniversary is coming up. So I think it might combine a dodgeball two with the 20th anniversary. To me, that makes sense. So how did you land that role? How did you get to become? Well, I have been that? doing a lot of commercials and television, and uh, I was really starting to get to the point where the more lines they threw at me, the the more I was getting the job. I, I had no idea I can act until I started, you know, doing it and auditioning. Uh, and then finally, this role came up, and it was at the beginning. It was called the Underdogs. It wasn't even called uh, Dodgeball. Okay. And um, but they couldn't use that title ultimately because of the, the cartoon uh, gotcha. Underdog. So um, and I said, yeah. And when I was, I was telling somebody last night when they were asking me. So when you get sides, when you get an audition, sides are the the lines that you're going to uh, you know uh, have to read. And usually when you get a part as the kind of a player actor that I was, uh, you'll get it for, you know, there would be two pages, three pages would be a lot usually. So I'm going down the line and there's one page, three pages for all these parts. And then all of a sudden I get down to the referee and I look and 
it says 12 pages. And I, I even had to put up a thing to say like 12. <laughs> so, uh, so it was pretty awesome. Uh, and I uh, auditioned once and uh, came back and uh, read for the director. And there must have been 30 people in the room, producers and, you know, all sorts of people. And uh, that was intense. And I, I kind of nailed that. And, um, you know, the rest is history. It was, uh, it's, I'm just very proud to be a part of something that uh, just is so good. All, you know, it's a great story. It's very funny. There's a lot of cameos in right. it. Uh, I'm just proud to be a part of it. So on back to dodgeball again, um, being on set with Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller, like how fun was that? For you, like I just imagine it was probably like one of the funnest things a person could do, unless they were like, "Hey, we're super serious right now filming." But I just don't see that with the, with that group of guys, you know. Yeah, no. In fact, uh, you know, I've spent twenty five years now working at commercials and TV and movies, and that's the only time I remember just everybody on the set got along with everybody, and we just had you know a great time. There was just there was no animosity, and every day was fun because we were doing you know. I mean, it's still. You know, because people don't realize when you do a scene like that sudden death scene that I did with uh, Vince and Ben, we did that for 13 hours. Wow. So we start off doing Ben's, you know, lines, uh, his close up, his two shot, his reverse angle, his wide angle. And then we move to Vince close up. You know, it's, and by the time they get to me, it's one o'clock in the morning. In fact, if you look at the bloopers and outtakes, that that's it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, every day showing up and it was even more fun driving home because we did it in Long Beach and I lived two hours away uh, uh, from there and driving home every night, I would replay the scenes and sometimes I would just start laughing out loud, you know, just at the lines or the reactions. So it was a blast. I remember telling my agent when he said, how's it going? I said, you know, you're not even going to believe what you see because I'm doing it and I don't even believe it. <laughs> it was that, that fun. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking with us about umpiring and dodgeball, especially since it was one of my favorite movies. Um, are, do you have a certain team that you're going to be rooting for in 2023? Are you are you getting back involved in the MLB at all, or are you just going to be a fan? No, I, I was a replay analyst when replay first came out, and then they kind of extend all analysts. If you notice, they have them for football, basketball, everything, but there is none in baseball. And uh, because the game has just progressed with replay and all that, I'm pretty much done with that part of it. And I've, you know, as an umpire, you're, you don't really root for a team. Uh, you go to somebody that you had as a player or manager. And if you like that person, you kind of root for him to do good uh, and his team to win. So uh, Dusty Baker was always a great guy to me and uh, I had him throughout my career. So uh, I was glad to see him uh, come out on top finally uh, this time. So I like it when the good guys win. Right. That's cool. Well, Al, thanks so much for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it and I uh, hope to have you on again in the future. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Good luck with all this and uh, I'm honored to be the first. Thank you. Thanks, George. All right. Thanks very much for listening to The Ball Club. Make sure to like and subscribe. See you next time. <laughs>